Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Have you found the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians? What the Lord has been dealing with me about is different kinds of services having different kinds of services. It's been dealing with me about this for a little while, just I don't mean every day or, you know, in a, in a uh, you know, height, heightened sense, but he's been, he's been talking to me about it, about the importance of different kinds of services. And uh, I went back and read in Plans, Purpose, Purposes, and Pursuits, a book by Kenneth Hagin that I mentioned uh, Sunday night a couple of weeks ago. We had a worship service. And I, I mentioned that uh, in that book, uh, Kenneth Hagin related a visitation uh, that he had, a uh, visitation of the Lord back in 1987, how the Lord appeared to him and talked to him about uh, worship in the New Testament era, in the New Testament age, and uh, uh, the right kind of worship for the church and a, a number of things. And one thing that he said the Lord, the Lord Jesus talked to him about was the importance of having different kinds of services. And he said that Jesus told him that the problem with the church today, and especially the church in America, he says is the, the Christian church today tries to take all the different kinds of services and all the different elements that are possible and cram them into one service and have that every service. And he said, because of that, no particular type of service that the Lord wants to have ever reaches its full potential because everybody tries to just put everything into every service. You know, you're, if you read at all or follow, uh, you know, popular church culture, I'll put it that way, you hear this expression a lot today about a meaningful and exciting worship experience. For people, you hear you you will read that churches advertise a lot how you know they they want to create this exciting worship experience for people. And when I read that, I always think, yeah, but I wonder what kind of a worship experience it is for the Lord. When the church is so focused on creating, creating a worship experience that is exciting to people, but that's not our focus. Our focus should be, is the Lord excited when we worship him? And what kind of experience is it for the Lord? And frankly, I suspect many times he's a little underwhelmed (laughs) by some things that people are very excited about. When it comes to church. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, that kind of fits in with, with what uh, the Lord was talking to Brother Hagin about. He said people try to take and just put every kind of, make, make one service contain everything. And uh, all of our services are not supposed to be the same. And, uh, uh, you know, the Bible talks about different kinds of services. Tonight I want to talk to you about the believers meeting. In 1 Corinthians 14, in verse number 23, 
Turn over to verse 23. Actually, we'll start, let's start reading in verse 20. Verse 20 says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now I want you to notice verse 23 through verse number uh, 33, 23 through 33, the Apostle Paul describes a believer's meeting. Notice in verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, each of you, and then he describes uh, different components of a, of a believer's meeting. Notice, uh, this is these verses describe a meeting of believers. It's unbelievers may be present or they may not be. But the focus for this particular type of, of meeting that he's describing here is the focus is on believers coming together. And uh, it's not this, what he's describing here is not an evangelistic meeting. It's not. And most evangelistic meetings are best done outside the church anyway. Anybody out there? I said most evangelistic service are, are best done outside the church. And yet the church has, has, has uh, you know, promoted evangelistic style meetings in the church. But the problem is uh, unbelievers occasionally come in and get saved. But most of the time unbelievers don't come to church. Most people that come to church are already saved. And so believers' meetings are best held outside the church. A good friend of ours in Canada, Toronto, Canada, had, a, had an Easter service uh, there in Toronto this year, and he had Christopher Allen come, and I introduced Christopher to, to this man. This man actually went to Africa with uh, this pastor, did with Pastor Greg and I back uh, last fall, and, uh, and met Christopher for the first time, and then he invited Christopher to come to his church. They held this, this Easter service, and they rented a public arena, like a, like a you know, a, a civic building, you know, a civic arena. And they advertised, you know, and they had about, and this, his, this man's church is about the size of ours, and they had 1,400 people turn out. And uh, I think about 300 people got saved, mostly Indians. Uh, you know, uh, are they Buddhist? Yeah. Hindus, excuse me, Hindus. Mostly Hindus, Indians, uh, got saved, and some Muslims got saved. And uh, he said they just had a tremendous move of God. All kinds of people got healed and, 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 and set free, and they just had a tremendous meeting. Well, that's, a, that's an evangelistic meeting. That's the purpose of that. So there are evangelistic meetings. Uh, a believer's meeting is not a teaching meeting per se. You know, there's a time when we meet to teach. And uh, like on Wednesday night, Wednesday night is set up at our church as a teaching meeting. It's not a worship service. 
Now you understand that worship is fitting anytime. Worship is appropriate anytime. But when you're having a teaching meeting, he said the Lord, the Lord dealt with him about that too. He said when, you have, when your focus is to teach, it's not to worship. Don't try to create you know, a, a, a worship time to where people just get so involved in worship. You lose your focus. There's, what Jesus told Brother Hagin, he says, I have a plan and a purpose for every meeting. I have a purpose. Well, we need to find out what God's purpose is and pursue that and not try to make it everything else. Amen. A believer's meeting is not a worship service, though worship will likely take place. Because like I said, worship is good, but it's, it's all about what type of service it is. Uh, a believer's meeting is not a prayer service. There are times we meet to pray. Most churches, not being critical, it's just an observation. Most of you know this. Most churches that announce prayer meetings or prayer services uh, usually do a pitiful amount of praying. Amen. Uh, most worship uh, prayer services, people announce we're going to have a prayer service and, uh, and they meet and then they sing for 15 minutes. Try to get everybody kind of in the mood to pray. And then one person will lead And then when that person is through, someone else will pray. And when that person is through, they'll turn it to another person to pray. And so you have, and and so most people are not praying, they're just sort of kind of listening. And then when people are praying, they're they're not really praying, they're thumbing through their Bible, just sitting on the pew, thumbing through their Bible, kind of in a prayerful attitude, but not really praying, looking through their Bible. Uh, But a prayer service ought to have, we ought to pray when we have a prayer service. That's why on Monday nights we have a prayer service. That's the, pope, that's the purpose. That's the focus of the meeting. And uh, I'll usually take three minutes or so, maybe five at, at the outside, and I'll just give some instruction about that night, and then we pray. Now, that's not, there, there's, this doesn't, I don't want you to get the idea that these services necessarily stand in isolation from one another. No, there can, be, there can be some combining of these things, of the different elements, but still the purpose of a service, we ought to flow with that purpose, whatever the Holy Ghost is, is leading us to do. So in prayer, you know, we have a prayer service, but I remember a few weeks ago, I don't normally do this, but a few weeks ago, the Lord gave me something I taught for about 25 minutes. Well, uh, it, you know, and then we prayed, but it, we didn't lose the focus of what we were there for because I taught on prayer. And so we prayed. So for, for about 45 minutes or so on Monday nights, we pray. And that's what we come to do. We didn't come to sing. We didn't come to testify. We come to pray. And so uh, 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 there's prayer services. And then there are Holy Ghost services, Holy Ghost meetings. And uh, what is a Holy Ghost meeting? Well, a Holy Ghost meeting is, uh, is where the Holy Spirit is in demonstration, manifestation, He's leading and guiding and directing. Uh, one prominent feature of a Holy Ghost service is the joy of the Lord's present. There's just rejoicing. And, and it's not just a worship service, but it's, it's a Holy Ghost service. But there's, there's rejoicing and worship in it. Then we have a worship service. Sunday night a couple weeks ago, I announced we're going to, by the direction of the Lord, we're just going to have a worship service. That's all we're going to do. If you, we're not coming to, to be taught, it's not going to be a teaching service. We're not, uh, it's going to be a worship service. That's our purpose. I noticed a, a bunch of people stayed home that Sunday night. There's some people you can't get them out to, to worship because, you know, it's, it's, it's too much of an effort. 
I want to come to church and have some and receive something for myself. Well, they said in the book of Acts that they're in the church at Antioch, they ministered to the Lord. So there are times we ought to come together and minister to the Lord. That's our purpose. And so when we have a worship service, that's what we're going to do. We're going to minister to the Lord. It's not a worship service, it's a teaching service. It's not a prayer service. It's a ministering to the Lord service. But then there's a believer's meeting. Well, what is a believer's meeting? A believer's meeting is where believers meet to minister to one another by the Holy Spirit. I said a believer's meeting is where believers meet to minister to one another by the Holy Spirit. That is, they come together to edify one another through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse number, uh, starting in verse number 26, it begins to describe these, what goes on in a believer's meeting. He said, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done to edification. Now, one reason I'm teaching on this is because we're going to have a believer's meeting next Sunday night. We're going to have a believer's meeting. And I, I basically know who, come to church on, who comes to church on Sunday nights. If you don't come, I'm going to know you stayed home because you didn't want to follow what the Holy Ghost was doing. It's a holiday weekend, so... Well, if there, it, it, you better be out Sunday morning as well as Sunday night. <laughs> if you come here Sunday morning, don't come back Sunday night. I got you pegged. <laughs> Amen. I know some people will be out for the weekend because it's a holiday. But next Sunday night, we're going to have a believer's meeting. But the Lord said, teach on it first so people know what a believer's meeting is. He said, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a, tongue, has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let, him, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So uh, when, when the church in the first century, like you have here in the, in, in the church at, at Corinth, when they came together, they didn't just come to receive, they came to minister something. Anybody out there? The church didn't, on, on, when they came for a believer's meeting, they didn't come to just receive. They came to give something. Amen. All of us ought to have the desire to give something, to edify one another. Instead of just being edified yourself, edify somebody else. But there's a way to do it by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, uh, and this is something the Lord's wanting to get us, get us over into because before the Lord Jesus returns, the church must return to the full New Testament pattern. I said before Jesus returns, the church must return to the full New Testament pattern of having church. 
And I'm going to tell you, the, the American version, the European version, uh, the, or, or wherever, there's all kinds of versions of how church is done, but very precious uh, few and not very often is church done according to the true New Testament pattern. Amen. And in order to do it according to the New Testament pattern, you must have different kinds of services. Now, I understand that on Sunday morning, we, we do kind of... Uh, uh, try to do as much as we can because on, there are certain people you're only going to get on Sunday morning. That's your only opportunity to have any input in their life because they're not, they're just, they're just, it's just not their, their lifestyle to come back to church, but once a week. And, and sometimes a lot of them don't come every Sunday. You know, we have a, we have a, a rolling, uh, what do you call it? You know, a, a, uh, a revolving, attendance, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we, we have about 260 people or so that call this church their home with some regularity, but we rarely have that. We don't, in fact, we don't ever have that on a Sunday morning because there's always, you know, people out and there's a certain group of people that they're just not that, they're just not that consistent. And so because of that Sunday morning, we try to, to, uh, pack a lot in there and we have a time uh, restraint, you know, because the children's program goes so long and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to lose your children's workers by running over too much, you know, and, uh, cause you know, the grace on them lifts about 12, 15. <laughs> amen. And, uh, and amen. Praise the Lord. If you ever worked in there, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Praise God. And, uh, and so Sunday mornings we do kind of just sort of package everything, but, but, and that's okay as long as we're having other kinds of services. And so that's what the Lord wants us to do. And so that's why he told me a few weeks ago, he said, have a worship service. Just announce it. You're coming together to worship the Lord, just to minister to the Lord. And, and of course, we already have a teaching service. We already have a prayer service every week. But uh, Sunday nights is just uh, a better fit for some of these different kinds of services. Holy Ghost meetings, uh, uh, you know, believers meetings like we're talking about here. Well, so what are some of the, uh, of the uh, characteristics? Well, number one, like I said, people don't just come to receive, they come to contribute something. Amen. We all ought to have a desire to contribute something to the good of others. Number two, the people came here at Corinth uh, and they had something given to them by the inspiration of the Spirit for that meeting. In other words, it wasn't just something they could share. Do you follow me? They came because they had something that was given to them by the Holy Spirit, something by inspiration. Now, you can either have something that the Holy Ghost gives you before the meeting or you can come expecting to receive something while you're there. I know in my own uh, experiences just how the flow of the Spirit works with me. Uh, most of the time, like tonight, I had a sense before I ever come to church tonight that, that there would be a flow of the Spirit in prophecy and I, would, and I would say some things. And while I was in church, I got these words, forgotten them now, but uh, whatever I started out with, uh, uh, prepare Prepare for the coming of the Lord. That's all I got. But I had the sense that the Lord was going to give me something before I got here. 
I didn't know what it was, didn't know how it was going to start. And then when the service started, I got that much and that's all I got. And uh, so by preparing yourself ahead of time, very often you'll know by the spirit, you'll just have a, a, a witness or, or an unction, you might call it on the inside that, you, that you've got something from the Holy Ghost. And uh, particularly when it's tongues, prophecy, uh, these sorts of things, you won't really know what it is ahead of time. But he says, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm. Well, what's a psalm? Uh, the, the Bible talks about uh, teaching and admonishing uh, one another. And it also says uh, uh, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, a psalm is simply a spiritual poem or ode that, uh, that comes by the spirit of prophecy. It's very similar to prophecy, but it's just a little more poetic. It may rhyme or it might not rhyme. That's not really the, the important thing, but there's an element uh, of, of, uh, of poetry about it. And it comes to, uh, to edify you. And when you share it to the congregation, it edifies the church. And so he said, uh, notice he told these uh, believers at Corinth, he said, how is it, brethren, when you come together, each of you, each of you has something. For instance, a psalm. Or a, or, a, or a teaching, or a tongue, or, an, or a revelation, or an interpretation. You could add, or a prophecy. Psalm comes by the spirit of prophecy. It, it's interesting that they all had something. I said they all had something. But not necessarily everyone will get an opportunity to give what they have. In any one service, not everyone is going to be able to get what they have, but they didn't go home with their feelings hurt. Amen. Uh, we ought to be conscious of preferring one another. So we have here listed psalms, teachings, tongues, interpretation of tongues, or you could say prophecy as well, revelation. Demonstrations of the Spirit are in order in a believer's meeting. Demonstration, what are demonstrations of the Spirit? Well, dancing in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, praising, laughing in the Holy Ghost, just sitting silent, uh, in silence, reverence, waiting on God, uh, worship. All of these things are, are, are in order in a believer's meeting, but again, it's not just a Holy Ghost meeting. A Holy Ghost meeting, it, there's really the focus is on the demonstration. In a believer's meeting, the focus is on people sharing what the Holy Ghost has given them for the church. Do you know that that's the way the early church operated? When they came together, different people in the church, it wasn't just a one-man show. Amen, it wasn't. Now, the pastor obviously has his place. He's the, he's the, the, the chief uh, teacher and the one that, that uh, uh, directs the church and does the cheat. Well, that, that's obviously true. You see that in, in the writings that, that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus. They're called the pastoral uh, 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 epistles. And I think something like 26 or 20, no, 28 times in those three epistles, the apostle Paul mentioned teaching or doctrine. And doctrine is just another word for teaching in the original Greek, same Greek word. 28 times the apostle Paul mentioned teaching in exhorting those pastors, Timothy, Titus, and the pastors that were under them. 28 times. He only mentioned preaching six times. He mentioned preaching six times, teaching and doctrine 28 times. That's, that's like a four to one ratio. 
And so uh, the pastor is supposed to teach, but then there's, there's a time when the church comes together and everyone gets to participate. Again, not in every service, but over a period of time, everyone has the desire and, and as the Holy Ghost moves and an opportunity presents itself, everybody gets a chance to contribute. Well, now, if that, if that, if that kind of intimidates you, well, just, just seek God about it because it's in the Bible. I said, it's, this is a, a, a nervous crowd tonight. I said, it's, look at your own Bible. Don't look at me. Look right down at your Bible. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you, just say, that includes me. Each of you has, notice, each one of these are, 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 are things that the Spirit has given So it's not a matter of just coming and sharing anything you can share, but sharing what the Holy Spirit gives you for that service and for that time. There are are times you will experience, you'll have something on the inside of you and you'll think it's for that service and you'll get there and the service goes in a direction you realize this is not best for this service. Doesn't mean it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It's just not the best for this service. Just hold on to that, nurture that in your heart and, and continue to pray over it just, just, and just you know, keep that on the inside of you, there will be an opportunity. But, but everybody has to get in the, in the uh, mindset that, that we're all supposed to get something from the Holy Ghost. About a third of you like that? I said we're all supposed to get something from the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and like I said, you know, you come next, next uh, Sunday night, everybody's not going to have an opportunity to minister, so come on. Not going to single you out. But at the same time, we want people coming prepared. That's why I, give you, I gave you a week's notice. Amen. Uh, now, you know, a, a, a believer's meeting might become sort of a Holy Ghost meeting. Like I said, none of these meetings necessarily stand in isolation to one another. There can be elements of one and another that flow into it, but, but the main thing is what is the function, what is the purpose. And so it may develop into a more of a Holy Ghost service. Uh, there may be demonstrations of healings and, and demonstrations of power and miracles. You could have all of those things in a believer's meeting when the church is contributing. Amen. So this is, this is scriptural. And what the Lord dealt with me about is, is that we've got to get, the, before the Lord's return, the church has got to return to the New Testament pattern. Amen. I said the church has got to return to the New Testament pattern. The New Testament pattern is the pattern. It's not archaic. It's not out of date. We, haven't, we don't have a new and improved version in our day of having church. We have a, a, a new and unimproved version. The version we have is not as good as the one that's in the Bible. Amen. And in order to get Bible results, we've got to pattern ourselves according to Bible prescriptions. What does the Bible say about having church? And, and, and uh, Brother Hagin said that when the Lord dealt with him about this and he talked to him about these different kinds of services, He said that Jesus especially dealt with believers' meetings. 
that he spent a special amount of time just, just emphasize the believers meeting. And well, we need to emphasize that too, amen? Now, there are principles of order that must be followed in a believers meeting, amen? Notice, he said in verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be two or at the most three. Now, as I've mentioned to you before, this two or three doesn't mean two or three uh, utterances in tongues. This is two or three people. Because actually in the Greek, the words two and three are actually pronouns. They're actually personal pronouns. It's talking about people and personal pronouns. And so if anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be two or at the most three people. So in any one meeting... Only two or three people should do all the utterances in tongues. Well, then the next time you have a believer's meeting, two or three other people can. You see that? So, so if you come to church in, in, in a believer's meetings and, and two or three people have already given utterances in tongues, well, you know, just wait until the next time. Amen. That's how, that's how it works. Nobody gets offended. It, it's in order, in order to keep order and decorum in a service. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be two or at the most three people in turn. What he's saying is don't, don't everybody just jump up and, and start speaking in tongues all at the same time. Amen. Take your turn. And then he says, and let one interpret. That, that would mean one person interpret each tongue. Let one person Interpret each tongue. Now, if you have three people speaking in tongues, you could have three people interpreting, but it's one person interpreting each tongue. Because what he's wanting to avoid is he's wanting to avoid competitive interpretations. Now, we, we, don't, we don't see that threat in, in, in modern day church because we don't have it. But in, in, in the days of the Bible, everybody had something. I mean, they all came with the tongue and an interpretation. I mean, they were all ready to go and somebody would give an utterance in tongues and somebody would interpret and somebody would jump and say, that's not the interpretation. I, that's, I can do better than that. I've been in service and you probably, if you move in these things, you've been in services before where somebody gave an interpretation to a tongue and you, and, and you were ready to give it. You had the sense and somebody else gave it and you thought, I what I had. Have you ever experienced that? That's, wait a minute. That's not what I had. Well, uh, I, what I've noticed though is when a, when a person will just continue, if I just wait for a minute and they'll continue to speak, most of the time they'll get over on the same theme. They'll say it a different way because God uses people, you know, in the way they talk and, and, and how they, but they'll get over in that main theme and then when it's all over, I say, well, yeah, they got across what, what, what I, the sense that I had. So he's saying, don't give competitive interpretation. If somebody gives interpretation, don't give another one to that. Amen. Uh, because that's not nice. <laughs> Amen. It's not. It's unkind. It's not love. Amen. He says, uh, let it be two or three at the most, and, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Well, you know, how would you know there's no interpreter? Well, if, if, if an utterance of tongues comes and nobody interprets it, well, then don't give another one. Amen. Don't just go on and on and on and on and on. Uh, 
When, when I first got into, back in the fellowship of the Lord in, in uh, early 1970s, uh, there was a revival going on in that church. And, and so I, you know, came in and, and uh, got back to the fellowship of the Lord. Very soon after that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we had great services and, and a lot of young people in the church that hadn't, they didn't have any experience in church. A lot of street uh, hippies, you know, had come into the church. They didn't have any background in church. They'd gotten saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and were going to this little Southern Pentecostal church, you know, and it was a mess. And, uh, and, uh, and, and we were growing in the things of the Holy Ghost and trying to learn our way. And uh, we had a pastor when I first uh, got back in the fellowship of the Lord that was real experienced in spiritual gifts. And then uh, he moved on. We got another pastor who came in and he wasn't as experienced. And uh, there was a time where uh, uh, some of us young men We'd, we'd get in the service and, we'd, and the Holy Ghost would come on us and we'd give a message in tongues and nobody interpreted it. And so, you know, the scripture says if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent. Well, then the next time we got together, it happened again. And the next service, 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 it happened again. And the next service after that, it happened again. I mean, it went on and on and on for several weeks. And... Uh, but, but we were sticking according to the biblical pattern here. If, if, if there's no interpreted, then, then don't give another one. Well, you wouldn't know. But you know what? People begin to seek God. The church, people in the church begin to seek God. You know, that we, we need to have interpretations around here. And, uh, and you know what? God started using some different people that had ever been used before. Now, we had, we had two or three people that were always interpreters. Uh, but sometimes they wouldn't be in those services. And, uh, and so the interpretation, you know, wouldn't come. So God began to move through some of, of uh, the young people in the church and, begin, and we began to interpret and then begin to give prophecies. Well, you, you had to kind of push through that for a while. If we had just stopped and said, well, you know, no interpreter, so I guess we can't do that anymore. No, we'd come to the service and we'd give it a shot. You know, and we'd, we'd put it out there and, and nothing happened. But week after week, you know, eventually by pressing in, you know, and, and, and now we weren't waiting on God, you understand. He was waiting on us. But when people got hungry enough to, and realized that we've got a responsibility here to, to step up to the plate and let the Holy Ghost use us, then, then he did. And the interpretation started coming. So he's saying, uh, uh, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be two or at the most three, each one in turn. Let one interpret, that is interpret each tongue. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let, the, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. There were some prophets in the church at Corinth. Now there's a difference between someone who prophesies and a prophet. If you go with me over to Acts 21, you'll see this. Acts 21, turn over there with me. Acts 21, verse number eight. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist. This is the Philip that was first identified in Acts chapter six. Entered the house of Philip the evangelist who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. 
bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, it's interesting that Philip had four unmarried daughters and it says they prophesied. Well, it must have been something that they were known for. It must have been that they had a consistent manifestation of the simple gift of prophecy. See, the simple gift of prophecy, if you turn back over to 1 Corinthians 14, most of you know that, uh, it says that he who prophesies speaks unto men unto edification, exhortation, and comfort. In the simple gift of prophecy, there is no foretelling of the future. There is no, uh, uh, they don't, simple gift of prophecy doesn't have revelation in it. It's just words of exhortation and, and, and edification and comfort. It's, by, it's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And prophecy can take a lot of different forms. Prophecy can take the form of a testimony. In the churches that I grew up in as, as a youngster in Pentecost churches, you know, people thought they were backslidden if you didn't testify every time you came to church, you know. And we, so every Wednesday night we'd have a testimony service. And some of the old uh, saints, you know, they've been around since, you know, the early days of Pentecost, they'd get up and they'd begin to testify. They'd begin to share how God had been so good to them and what God had done in their life and how, you know, he had delivered them and how they'd been walking with the Lord all these years. And they start recounting his blessing, just testifying. And they'd start out, you know, in the natural, so to speak. And, and, and the more they taught, the more inspired they got. And, and, and you could sense when the Holy Ghost came upon them. And then they just begin to, they just begin to flow out of them. And as they testified, he'd just bless everybody in the church. Well, that was, that was the spirit of prophecy that came upon them. Prophecy can come through songs. It can come through psalms like we've already seen. It can come uh, in a variety of ways. But there is no prediction or word of, not, word of wisdom or anything delivered in, a, in prophecy. And it says that, uh, that Philip had these, these four daughters and they prophesied. But then... But there was, no, there was no prediction. Then as we stayed many days, he said a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Hold your place there and go back to Acts chapter 11. Go back to Acts chapter 11. Verse 27 says, in those days, Acts 11, 27, come on, be quick. And in those days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also came to pass or happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. And this they did and sent it by the elders to the elders by the hands of Paul, uh, Barnabas, and Saul. So this Agabus, he was a prophet. Now the prophet very often... Foretelling the future is not everything the prophet does. First of all, a prophet's a preacher. Before anything else, a prophet is a teacher and a preacher. He's not, he's not just a layman that gives prophecies. And prophesying itself is not uh, the only or even the more, it's not even the, the most distinctive feature of a prophet. If you'll notice in, in chapter 21, are you back in 21? says... Uh, when he came to us, this Agabus, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, 
so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the disciple. Now, he might have actually said that by inspiration or he might have just been saying what the Spirit said. Notice, he, he, prophets sometimes can be real, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dr- they can be very dramatic sometimes. So he took Paul's belt and wrapped it around his hands and demonstrated. So a prophet sometimes will do something very demonstrative or something, like I said, very dramatic. Uh, and then he said, this is what the Holy Spirit say. So shall the Jews in Jerusalem bind the man who owns this, this, uh, this belt. So a prophet uh, sometimes will give revelation. He may not deliver it through prophecy. He'll just sometimes say it. So I just wanted you to see there's a difference in a prophet and those who prophesy. And uh, going back, if you would, now to 1 Corinthians again, chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Evidently, there were prophets that were in the church. But it's interesting that when it came to the prophets, they were under the same instructions as lay people were. Just because someone is in the ministry, it doesn't give them uh, permission to operate outside the bounds of good order. Amen. Uh, Even those, even apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers still have to operate under the same principles of order that everybody else operates under. So he said, let the prophets speak, two or three, let two or three prophets speak, and let the other judge. Well, that would mean that they would speak in order, not all at the same time, just like the the tongues wouldn't all be done at one time. He said, let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. If anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. What this is saying is we ought to prefer one another. He said, if, if, if you have two or three prophets there and, uh, and you, know, you, you, you have a revelation and then somebody else gets a revelation, he said, prefer your brother. Let the first one just, just yield and say, well, you go ahead, brother. You, you give the revelation you have. Well, amen. So we ought to prefer one another. So he's talking about prophets, but the point is that the same rules of order uh, uh, prevail. And then in verse 31, he says, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Everybody can prophesy. And what that simply, that does not mean predict the future. It does not mean give a revelation, though one of the things that's included in here is revelation. You know, sometimes Sister Jean will come up and she'll just, you know, share a revelation. She just saw something in the spirit. And, and well, praise God, that's, that's what that is. That's a revelation. But she, she's not a prophet or a prophetess. It's just someone with a, that had a revelation from the Spirit. Well, that's in order. Amen. Amen. But then uh, he said, every one of you can prophesy one by one, not all at once and not all in the same service. Dear Lord. <laughs> but you can all prophesy. I, I just wonder how many of us expect to prophesy. Well, if you say, not me, Mac. Well, why not? Because, to, because Paul said in opening this chapter, go back to verse one. He said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And again, prophecy doesn't have to be some kind of a weird 
uh, you know, work yourself up into kind of a religious uh, posture or religious uh, acting or sound or anything. It's just speaking by inspiration. Just the Lord give you uh, something to say that blesses people. That's, that comes by the inspiration of the Spirit. And, and again, like I said, it's not just something you can share. When, you, when we have a believer's meeting, come expecting the anointing to come on you. And even if you have something that you've thought about that would be a good thing to share, don't share it unless the anointing is there. Don't share it unless the Holy Ghost comes upon you. There's, there's a quickening on the inside. And, and you have to discern whether sometimes people misread that and they think, well, you know, I, I've got this and I've got to give it, I've got to give it, I've got to give it. Yeah, but, but is, it, is it for this service? Is it for this believer's meeting? Or, or was it something that's just, you have, to be, you have to discern whether it's something that the Spirit of God gave you that just really blessed you. Very often you'll want to share that because it was just so rich to you. I remember one time when, when uh, Lance Fricky was our associate pastor, uh, and, and, and you've experienced this many times as well. And, and I walked by his office one day. He said, Pastor, he said, come in here. And he, and he read this passage of scripture. He said, listen to this. And he read it, and then he, he, he told me what the Lord said to him about it. Said, Isn't that great? And I just looked at him. I thought, so? That's really how I felt. It was like, it was just so flat to me. It's like, okay, if that excites you, brother. And he was just, oh, man, he said, this is rich. I said, yeah, the Lord gave you that, and it's rich to you, but it doesn't do a thing for me. I'm thinking, okay, everybody would know that. You know, who doesn't know what you just said? (laughs) And it wasn't that it was a revelation, and it wasn't like something he didn't know already, but it was something that the Holy Ghost had. had, You know, I I believe if, if the Holy Ghost... There's a scripture over in Daniel where Daniel said, the Lord spoke and I was strengthened. And, and, and that is so true. When the Holy Ghost speaks something to you, it, I think if the Holy Ghost just spoke to me and just, gave, and just recited my telephone number, it would just, whoo, glory to God. It would just, it just excite you, you know, because the Holy Ghost said something to you. And so very often the Lord will say something that, or bring a scripture to you that will just so turn you on, just so excite you, but that doesn't mean anybody else is going to get anything out of it. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Wait for the anointing. Wait for the anointing. Uh, Praise God. All can prophesy. All should want to prophesy. One amen. I'm just looking for one. Just one. Just anyone, anyone. Hey, thank you. I said all should want to prophesy. (laughs) Dead silence. (laughs) Amen. God wants us to have New Testament services. Bible services. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, And and so we're going to develop in this as time goes on. Amen. He says that uh, in verse number, I'll wrap up here in just a second. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means the manifestations and demonstrations of the spirit and anything the Lord gives you to say or do, they're under your control. I said the anointing is under your control. The Holy Ghost doesn't make people do anything. Amen. When the, when the spirit of God moves on you, Depending on what's going on in the service, particularly if it's, if it's a real 
uh, you know, kind of uh, demonstrative service and a lot of things are happening and people are shouting and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, really there's a high pitch, um, you know, flow and, and people are, are entering in. Uh, you, you, can be, you, can, you can sense the Holy Spirit so strong that if you're not careful, you'll just do something that just gets all the attention in the room is just drawn to you all of a sudden. And, and it kind of quenches things. So uh, let everything be done decently and in order because God's not the author of confusion. Isn't that right? The manifestations and demonstrations of the Spirit are under the control of the believer. And so what I say is just, you know, follow the Holy Ghost. If, 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 if you know, people are, are, are uh, if the God's, Spirit of God's moving and people are shouting and jumping and running and, and uh, uh, worshiping and prophesying and whatever, don't just do something so weird. I don't care how inspired you've, you seem to be. Don't do something so weird that it just stops the service. It's like... I listened to, to Dad Hagen's camp meeting prophecy from 2003 recently, the, the last camp meeting he had, wonderful prophecy. And he's, he's sitting on the platform, the, the mantle of the prophet settled down on him and he got a chair and sat down and he began to speak by the spirit. He was bringing revelation. I mean, he was just, it was just flowing. And you go back and listen to the, to the CD. Some woman goes, I mean, it was camp meeting, so it's, it's the Civic Auditorium downtown Tulsa, and she's somewhere out there in the crowd, and she just, this blood-curdling scream. Huh? <laughs> yeah, try to edit that out. It couldn't be edited out. It's on there. <laughs> and and, and, I, and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I could just see all the ushers running to her right now. Man, they're, they're coming from every direction in the building, man. They're just zooming. They got the radios, and man, they're going, you know. Uh, now, what goes on around here in a routine Holy Ghost service is going to be weird to a lot of people. Okay, but, but don't do something that we would think is weird. <laughs> now, I say that, but I have to caution you because, Michelle, you know, you've talked to your, you know, elders, you know, your, your aunt, you know, and my grandmother, you know, talked about the days of the Holy Ghost services back in, in the early days of Pentecost. They did some things that were outlandish. I mean, you know, I talked about, you know, the hot stove pipes and all that kind of stuff. You know, they just go over in the service. They had a big old pot belly stove and they just grab that thing, you know, put their arms around that hot, red hot stove pipe and just hold on to it. It wouldn't be burned. But you better have the anointing. <laughs> if you're going to do something like that. Amen. Amen. But they had some demonstrations of spirit, but, but it was common among them. Okay? So don't do something that's going to take uh, all the attention in the service and put it on you and, 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 and the reaction from the people is what in the world is that? Amen. I told the church, you know, when we were ministering in Texas, I think it was in Texas a couple of years ago. Anyway, I said, you know, when it comes to these demonstrations of spirit, I was talking about this. I said, you know, 
don't do something that is so weird. I said, you know, we'll, we want you to, to respond to the Holy Ghost. Dance if he says dance, jump if he says jump, run if he says run, you know. But if the Lord moves on you to start doing the chicken dance, I would wait. I'm being funny, but I would wait on that. If, if, the, if you think the Holy Ghost is coming upon you to walk across the platform clucking, you know, like a chicken, I would probably say, hold on that. Check with your pastor first and see if that's the Holy Ghost. So I'm saying obey the Holy Ghost, but within the realm of what's reasonable, knowing that we're Holy Ghost people and what we think is reasonable isn't reasonable to other people, non-Holy Ghost people, but there's a balance. Amen. Don't bring attention to yourself to that degree. (laughs) Spend extra time praying in the spirit to prepare for next week's believers meeting. If you just wait until that service and you don't prepare yourself, you're not going to have anything. So between now, this is why I preach this tonight, between now and next Sunday night, spend a little extra time praying in the spirit for next Sunday night's believers meeting and expect the Spirit of God to to give you something whether before or usually during the service. Like I said, most of the time if I've got something before, I'll have a sense of what it is but I won't know what it is until I get there. Because, you you know, it, it doesn't need to be something that's super rehearsed. Now, the only, the only thing is, is that teaching. Teaching needs uh, to be explained here. Because it's one of these things listed in this passage. Uh, if you get a teaching. Understand that this is not a teaching like your pastor gets. It's not a teaching like tonight. It's not an hour-long teaching. In a, in, a, in a Holy Ghost service, a teaching should be short and concise and to the point. I said short, concise, and to the point. But it's something the Holy Ghost gave you. Now, he, sometimes he can give you that ahead of time. But if you get in the service and the anointing's not there, even though you've got this... this it, it, when you think of teaching, think more in the term, uh, in, in the sense of uh, admonishing. Remember it says over there about psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms singing, and he says, uh, teaching and admonishing one another. So, so use that word admonish to bring in here in this context, teaching and admonishing. So it's not to bring a new doctrine uh, or to explain something real deep, but it's, to, but it's to teach something that would edify the church. And you might get that ahead of time uh, because the teaching sometimes will come like that. But if, if it does, pray over it. And when you get to the service, if it's there, give it. And if, and if the anointing's not there, don't give it. Give it another time. First time that happened to me, I was in uh, in that Pentecostal church. I got back in fellowship with the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit. And within a couple of years, three years, I guess, maybe four years, I uh, <clears throat> I was in charge of the Wednesday night service. Now, when I say it was in charge of the Wednesday night service, all I was I was called Wednesday night was called family training hour, and I was the director of family training hour. But the only thing I directed was I opened the service. And took up the offering and dismissed the, the adults to go to class. That's all I did. The church started in our particular culture in the church was everybody came to the choir. Then it wanted to. We didn't have a rehearsed choir. Just service started with choir. And anybody in the congregation came to sing. So I would open the service. I would usually read a scripture, pray, open the service. The choir would sing. And then 
uh, I would dismiss the choir and I would uh, take up the offering and then I'd dismiss the adults to go to the different classes. And um, this particular uh, uh, Wednesday night, on Wednesday nights, this particular Wednesday night, earlier in that week, the Lord started giving me something for that, for that service. Now, we didn't have believers meetings in that church. And, and yet the Lord gave me something. And so uh, this is real dangerous. I got to church that night, and my job is to open the service with prayer and let the choir sing. But I got this, and I got service, and the anointing of God came on me. And the proof of the pudding's in the eating. Because you might think the anointing's on you, but it's just your, it's your desire that's on you. I got in the service, and, 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 and I opened with the scripture, and I remember what it was. It's from Ephesians 4, where it talks about the body uh, you know, coming to maturity and each one doing its, its part. No one in our church had ever preached the concept of believers uh, body ministry. Everything was the pastor does everything. He does all the preaching. He does all the praying. He does all the visiting. He does all the everything, you know. And, uh, and I got up and I just began to exhort. And I took about, I didn't intend to, it took about 10 minutes. But when I got through, all, I, when I looked out, all of a sudden, all in the congregation, I mean, grown men, tears streaming down their eyes, just people all over the church. The Spirit of God settled on that, and on that, that night, and people were just weeping. Like I said, grown men just sitting weeping. The glory of God just came in. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I closed it and, and uh, dismissed everybody to their classes and went down to, our, to the class that I was in with young adults, and the Spirit of God came upon a couple of us in there, and we... Um, gave messages in tongues and interpreted. Well, the pastor after the church, he came to me, he said, thank you, brother, thank you. He needed, the church needed to hear that because he was doing everything. They were running him ragged. And he thanked me for that. Well, if the Holy Ghost gives you something like that, like I said, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. I, I, here's in my immaturity, though, I tried it next week. I did. I got up the next week and I thought, well, that worked really good. I'll do that again. So I opened the service instead of just doing what I was supposed to do. I gave another little mini teaching. Flat. And so the associate pastor came to me and he said, uh, brother, he said, uh, what you gave last week was really good. He said, but you don't need to try to do that every week. <laughs> I learned. I learned. I was, just a, you know, I was just learning. Well, we all have to learn. Amen. And I, I said, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wondered what happened because the anointing was not there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know what? There's, there's room to grow and learn for all of us. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.